0: Dear Church Podcast.
1: Hey, Steve, you got something right here.
0: <laughs> well, this meeting is being live streamed. <laughs> I'm pretty sure what Martin just said
1: <laughs> was live. We are full-grown men who know what we're doing. Oh my word, we keep, guys! We keep
0: telling people that. <laughs> wow. So we're live, and no greater intro has ever been made than what Martin just gave us right there. That was incredible. <laughs> I clicked the button. First of all, for our listeners, thank you listeners, viewers, I guess, today. Uh, we were running a little behind today because, um, well, technical difficulties. That's that's the extent of it. And uh, we got it all on video. That's the good thing. <laughs> I'm but not we're convinced here. we're even live at this point. So. Oh, we're live. We're live. It's It's here. So we're uh, we're set and ready to go, um, and people have been beating down our door trying to figure out when we're going to be live because we're 13 minutes late. Um, yeah,
2: our apologies.
0: I still muted. didn't get
2: my mic.
0: My... <laughs> this is the best ever. Can you guys hear
3: me?
2: I'm not muted. Am I really muted?
3: I can hear all of you. Mm. Mostly, I just listened to the Lord, though. Oh, wow.
1: Spiritual, uh, Michigan
2: can there. (laughs) Uh, well, I don't think we're live, guys.
1: We're live, we're live. Okay, I believe you. This reminds me of Margaret Thatcher quote that I just read something along the lines of plan your work and then work your plan all day long. (laughs) Did
3: I tell you I just started a biography of her over the weekend?
1: Yeah, you sent me a picture of that book. Oh, that's really good.
3: I'm like 96, fascinating lady. Yeah, she
1: is. Did well, you how know
3: was, she preached how was Sunday Shh. yesterday, guys? Sorry. I'm sorry. So I'll stop talking ahead, about Thatcher. No, I was just <laughs> rambling about Margaret Thatcher. Go ahead.
0: Tom, tell us how your Sunday went. We we like to open these lives up just talking about how good God was to us over the weekend.
3: God was good to us over the weekend. He always is. It was a blessing to see it. We're in a period in our church's life. I've pastored a long time. Sometimes you see fruit, sometimes you don't. God's always working, but we're in a season where we're seeing it. Um just guests everywhere, people getting saved and baptized, um, auditorium packed. We're just in that season of ministry. I think, to me, the blessing that was that was very special to me yesterday, we have a, a senior couple who've been coming a couple of months. Um, they'd previously attended a, a contemporary church here in town, in Dubuque. And um, previous to that, they'd been in a church that closed and they got frustrated with the music there and uh, they've been coming here for the past couple of months, but I preached yesterday morning uh, on hell. It was a strong message on hell in the morning service. And uh, they came up to my wife afterward, just both of them weeping and said, we haven't heard a sermon like that in 15 years. And wow. And it was, it was uh, very much a testimony to their desire to return to the kind of a church they used to have, which has, Mm. which has, Strong preaching and and good music and goes after people with the gospel and it's just wonderful. It was just just encouraging to me yesterday. Amen. Martin. Yeah.
1: yeah, what a good day. Um, we had a you know solid attendance, good fellowship, good spirit. Um, a lot of what is happening right now is gearing up for the coming week because we have a big uh, outreach event planned for Friday, and then we've got uh, nine baptisms next Sunday, which. Is exciting. It's been a little while since the church has had a baptism. So wow. we're really? uh, looking forward to that. We we did a test on the baptismal tank last week and it leaked pretty badly. So as I speak, it's being repaired and there's someone come <laughs> to look at the kitchen roof to repair that. Um, but it's all good. It's all good. I praise the Lord for what he's done. Wow. Nine that, baptisms. That that's going to gonna be
0: crazy.
2: Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Um, that leads to a pastoral problem that some people don't know exists but that's overflowing the baptistry which wasn't martin's problem his was leaky
3: <laughs> i have i've
2: done, done it i've done it three or four times i think yeah you ever done In- that steven
0: no no we've never done that but you know i'm still young <laughs> yeah <laughs> Only just. didn't you have a birthday recently I did. And, uh, and after that I've discovered I'm still young. Isn't that, that's pretty awesome. Isn't it? You guys know how
1: that feels? It's (laughs) all relative. We we have some (laughs) incredible older saints that are here and that there's one couple they're like 93, 94 and still just awesome people. And, uh, so it's, it's so relative.
0: Well, I had someone walk up to me yesterday at church and say, you know, that gray hair is not a sign of getting old. It's a sign that you're missing some minerals in your body. And they just looked at me and I went, all right. Thank then. you.
2: <laughs> Thank you. Hey, can I, can I ask a theological question here by just way of introduction? Yeah. And that is um, the day in which Christ was crucified. Um, I have never done a super in-depth study, but I am finding out. In fact, I saw a post someone put a survey on Twitter on whether it's Wednesday, Thursday or Friday and Wednesday and Thursday were tied at like 44% and the fewest were Friday. Um, And I'm finding out that, you know, I, I've just always, and again, not in depth studied. I always thought Thursday made the most sense. And I didn't even realize someone could have a Wednesday position, but you guys take a position. Have you ever in depth studied it out or.
3: You know, someone has a blog post about that. Yeah, Ooh, I have one makes- about Friday and one about Monday, uh, one about Wednesday, one about Friday. I hold a Wednesday position. I'm charitable toward a Friday position. Um, if you really want to know what I think, and I have spent about 20 hours probably looking at it, um, go read my blog on it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: gotcha. I knew that. Was it, honestly, up. it's not.
3: I I had to study because I was teaching a Life of Christ class and to figure out the events, the chronology of the last week of Jesus' life, you have to you have to take a position on which day he died. Otherwise mm-hmm. you can't establish the events of that week and then you can't teach it. And that week occupies what, 25, 30% of the gospel record. So mm-hmm. you have to figure out what day of the week you believe he dies. So you can, you can work your way through that week. So I did that. <clears throat> um, and, and I believe, I believe a Wednesday position, I'm going to do a Wednesday crucifixion service here this week, but um, I'm charitable to a Friday one. And the larger issue is not which day he died. It's that he died and rose again.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. I was teaching a life of Christ class as well, and I spent, you know, a good chunk of time explaining the the position of the Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday um, day for the crucifixion. And at the end of it, I said, ultimately, it doesn't matter which day you like you you land on. It does matter. And they all kind of groaned. They were like, "Why did you spend so much time talking to us about it?" I said, "Well, two things. Number one, it's vital you understand that he did die, he was buried, and he rose again." And second of all, the amount of study you're going to have to do to come to a solid position, that is a reward in and of itself, whatever conclusion you come to.
0: Wow. That's a very, very um, intellectual answer that I would not have been capable of giving. What do you think, Steve? Are you you being swayed?
2: I, I perhaps am because more and more of my good friends that have studied in depth about it have come to a Wednesday position, which Friday never really made sense to me. In fact, I've always thought someone that holds the Friday position only maybe forces themselves into that because it says the next day was the Sabbath. But we know that it was a high Sabbath, meaning there were Sabbaths that didn't fall on Saturday. They were holiday Sabbaths. So that then moved me to Thursday in the sense that, you know, three days, three nights, it seems to make sense. But I know ultimately the thing that Cloudy's, up the thing is the jewish day goes from evening to morning and that that then creates you know the questions about it and i don't think it's anything in fact i find it interesting i mentioned thursday here at our church because we're meeting thursday and having the lord's supper and some older members of our church that were here under brother mcgath who pastored here 39 years they said we want you to know that he taught it was Wednesday, but we're not upset with you, and we're not we're not leaving over it. And I thought, well, that's nice, um, but so that that made me think of bringing it up. So I, I think some people maybe get uptight about it, but I would think the important thing, like Martin said, is that we acknowledge he did literally die; he was literally buried, and he did rise so,
1: again. So, Martin, what day do you believe that he died on? I am ninety percent landing on a wednesday but if i i would, could possibly go for a thursday but i really can't see a friday okay but i'm gracious towards it
0: yeah so it's not a <laughs> fundamental of the faith just for the for the sake of our listeners no and i no. think
3: we I, I think i i'd like to, just to take 20 seconds and emphasize that and i've had i've, I've pastored people who that was their big deal. What day do you, what, what position do you hold on the day Christ died? And literally it became, I had a brother one time call me a heretic because I differed with him on it and then separated wow. from me, uh, caused all kinds of, a, all kinds of a ruckus in our church. And to me, that was, that was the sorrowful part about it. I have studied it. I have a position, I think it's a reasonable position. Um, I've done the homework on it, but, but to make it a fundamental of the faith is just, or the equivalent thereof is just, just to major on the minors. Yeah.
0: Um, Well, speaking of of separating and fundamentals of the faith and all that good stuff, uh, it's been a while since we've done one of these live episodes, and we'd like to kind of catch up on some things. We're actually being asked about some of these in our um, in our comments right now, but I'll save save a couple of these until we get to the actual episode. So, Tom, would you like? There's one I'd like to follow up on, but I think we're talking about the same one. Yeah, we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. It's not the one about your beard either, Martin. Uh, the um, the feedback and fan mail belongs to Tom Brennan. Take us away, sir.
3: Okay, so episode um, on March the first, uh, your pastor and you. Uh, interesting comment. As far as a member leaving a church, I think the member's perspective was still not covered enough. Leaving a church still may not have anything to do with doctrine or personality. It may be a situation like I've been in multiple times where I'm the youngest regular attending church member. Mm -hmm. And they went on to try to assert that because of their uh, that there are times when they felt out of place in their church because they were the only one of their age, that that was an acceptable reason to leave. I don't necessarily agree with that. In fact, I'm being too kind there. I disagree with that. Um, How do you guys feel about that? How would you how would you answer that?
0: Uh, well, I guess not knowing the entirety of the situation, I could see that factoring in. Um, I don't think it should be a primary reason because that you know that I just don't see a I don't see a path forward for making that a primary reason. if it's if it's one of many, you know, i can I definitely see where personality conflicts and and strife and different things, even in a church that holds the proper doctrinal positions, could cause someone to have to find a different place to go. Now that being said, I don't like it when it happens in my church, you know, but they're not talking
3: about personality conflicts. They're talking about an age difference. They're saying I'm the only young person in a church full of old people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I don't think I'd make that your primary reason. I think that's again, not knowing where he's coming from on that. Exactly. I mean, you read the, read the feedback, but for a while as the pastor, I was the youngest, one of the youngest people in our church. And I, I stayed until we got more young people, you know, I mean, but I was the pastor. There's, there's a difference. So we, I feel for that, but I don't think that could be a primary reason. I think you have to know that uh, that God wants you somewhere.
3: See, I think, I'll be honest with you, I think that's too weak. I think um, church is not about, a, a church is an assembly of believers. And I think when you take the view that there's not people my age, you actually short circuit what a church is supposed to be, mm-hmm. which is the body ministering to itself. And I think And and I've been in that situation, not just as a pastor, I've been in that situation where I was, you know, my demographic, my demographic was, there was nobody else. I always stayed, I was always glad I did. And what I discovered is I discovered that I built relationships with people that deepened to me that were not necessarily my age, that helped me, and I think helped them too. And I think when you make that commitment that I'm going to stay, regardless of whether there's someone here my age or not, um, I think it Uh deepens you and I think it deepens your church. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and I, I think can ex- it,
1: I can accept that for sure. I think it can depend. I would, I would lean heavily towards saying it's, it's not a good reason. Um, and I won't repeat everything you guys have said, but I, I would keep the door open to saying there may be occasions when, you know, there it would be helpful to have a peer group um, of your same age, but it would very much depend on a lot of factors. And so, like I said, I'd lean heavily towards saying that it's better to remain in the church. If everything else, you know, all things being equal are right, then age is is not a sufficient reason. Um, but I'm open to there being more information in individual situations. Uh,
3: then moving on to the episode on preaching, which was a couple of weeks later, Pastor Jason Gear sent this in, which I thought was really wise. He said, One of the things that could be elaborated on is that the style of preaching is very much connected to the specific talents, gifts, and personality of the preacher. God chose specific men to be pastors, and they should always strive to be themselves, not act, talk, or pretend to be another preacher. Uh, He's right. We didn't really cover that part enough, um, but I completely agree with him. Um, In our effort to, to preach the word of God, we must understand God made us who we are, and we must be comfortable with who we are not in the sense of being carnal, but in the sense of being led by the spirit and not try to copy any other guy, just be who you are and and preach the word of God. I think that's an excellent point. I think all of you guys mm-hmm. would agree with that, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, and then yeah, nothing, the, nothing's
2: more awkward than someone getting up and preaching and they become a different person. Yeah. It's really awkward for everybody. And some people are quieter. Some people get intense. And I think that you know, and, and also it's important to, to recognize intensity doesn't always come through volume either. Um, my mom could be pretty intense to me during a church service when I was misbehaving. And, you know, she was not loud, but she was like, you go to her street," you know? <laughs> And uh, so was in a...
1: go ahead. No, sorry. I thought you were finished. Go ahead, Steve. I was actually. Yeah, It reminded me of a church service I was in in England and I was sat here. There was a teenage boy sat the other side of me and then like three or four rows ahead. And then towards the center of the church, there was the teenage boy's mother. And most of the service, the teenage boy was like slumped down in his chair, just like getting lower and lower. And out of the corner of my eye, I could see the mom looking back at him. And I'm like, this is not good. And then I could see her like clicking her fingers and then I saw her get up, and I'm like, she's gonna go straight through me to get to him, and it was terrible. Um, Steve, do you remember? And oh, sorry. <laughs> and she made him stand up for the rem- She kind of like went over. She's like, stand up, I and she made him lady. stand up for the remainder of the service. That's it was awesome. hilarious. It would have been better if I wasn't like in between the two of them. But uh, yeah, that was that was pretty funny. Steve, do you remember
0: when you preached at our church? Yeah. Yeah, and you remember using my about, son as an illustration?
2: Yeah, right. Yep, you set him straight from a distance. <laughs> oh no, so this good.
0: The most epic moment of my of my fatherhood is the is the moment where Steve is preaching, and he pulls my son and another young man in our church up to the uh, uh, the front to use as an illustration, and my son's on the platform with this other kid, kicking him. I mean, literally, <laughs> I remember just seeing that going
3: stuff. to town. Yeah. Wasn't and, that on sermon clips or something?
0: No, no, but it should have been. <laughs> and I'm like, and Steve doesn't see it. Steve is like in front of them and he's preaching. And this, and my son is just like, and then he's like doing dance moves. He's like spinning on the platform. And I'm, I'm like, Oh, I'm in the middle of, of the, of the auditorium sitting next to my wife. And I'm like, well, what do I do? Cause everybody's just like looking at me like, Oh my goodness. They're loving it. First of all. And all I did was I thought, well, the only thing I have in my, the only option I have is to use the old dad snap. And I went like this, I just snapped and it happened to hap- it happened to take place right as Steve paused for effect. And my son is like, not even looking at me. And all of a sudden he just goes and just stops. And I mean, completely changes his behavior. And we, our whole section is dying laughing. Steve has no idea what's going on. So we, we didn't mean to be disrespectful to you, Steve, but it's my son's fault.
1: No, that the I The same remember- son that was in the choir and had the outburst.
0: No, no, that's, okay. that was a different son. He didn't have an okay, outburst. We can yet. save that story for
1: another you day. He didn't I'll have an outburst. Forget... He burped out loud. He uh, burped. I, I, I wasn't sure how far into that you wanted to go, but you know,
2: you know, the funny thing was I had made a crack right in that moment of the sermon, I had made a crack about beards and about how brother Russ has a beard and I don't or something like that. And I remember everyone's facial expressions got like really weird and everything. And I thought, man, did I hit on something that was like a sore spot or, I don't know. From my perspective, I didn't know till afterwards. So,
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, but by the way, so that preaching one, I think a recognition of some feedback we got in general was, um, and and I don't I don't think this is even avoidable. That what one person says about expository preaching, how one person defines it, is not how another person defines it and yeah. so we had like this back and forth with people that I think we agree with in in principle on expository preaching but we were in disagreement in our in our uh, interaction and so I don't, you know, we're not even not even going to try to remedy that in this. I'm just, I just thought I'd bring it up and say that that was a lot of the feedback
3: there. So, and we got a lot of feedback in that one from from our segment about sermon clips, and we went after them, and pretty much everybody agreed with us except for the sermon clips guys. They disagree with us, <laughs> and I'm like, whatever. I mean, sir, I want to be unsigned, sir, but
2: sermon clips is not a guy; it's a lady.
0: I'm just stop. Uh, okay. Uh, okay, we
2: got to go back, back and down research.
3: We've got to go so back then,
0: an episode, by the way, Tom. I want to. All right. So go ahead. Cause I'm I'm moving forward. So go, go back. No, that's fine. On, on the abuse one, which was between the two, you mentioned uh, we had a comment on our podcast, the Apple podcast page It said the abuse part two has been the best episode to date. Appreciate the tenderness to such a difficult subject. Others have broached the subject, but I fear have left some thinking that being a victim is an identity while your approach leaves. No doubt Mm -hmm. that our identity is found in the grace of Christ victory is impossible for a victim. And that's, that's the comment. So just wanted to to say thank you for leaving feedback there.
3: And and I'm sure we would all agree with that. Yeah. Um, okay. Then after that, uh, the one on masculinity, then the other thing I have is on masculinity here, which was one last week. Of course, brother Russ is, I'm surprised I don't see the bandages from his beat down over his Jacob disaster. <laughs>
0: hey, we've um, got people listening right now that want to talk about, this is the comment from Matthew Frank live on facebook could we talk about how steven russ doubled down on his opinion on jacob so
3: whatever yeah yeah no she's yeah. just wrong i mean that's just <laughs> just i love you but you're just wrong um uh... the winner of the day though was pastor kyle gilstrap who um said i don't remember if it's on twitter or facebook he said he just got done branding i think it was working with a group of guys branding 400 cattle and then he went and listened to our podcast and discovered it was on masculinity. And I thought that was awesome. It also made me feel unworthy to do a podcast on masculinity when our <laughs> listeners are out there branding cattle, you know, and I'm sitting here in a room drinking tea and reading books. So mm-hmm. props to Pastor Gilstrap for that one. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Amen. Speaking of books, yeah. um, Lee Short, uh, my books are this way. They're they're that way. They're not back sure. here. Right. I've yeah. got ducks on this wall, books on that
3: wall. So
1: he has the full Dr. Seuss collection.
0: Yeah. Every one of them. Everyone, Green Eggs and Ham is my favorite. I thought when
3: I was there, I saw a couple of Hardy Boys too. Didn't you? Didn't you see that, Martin? Those were Nancy Drew.
0: That's <laughs> Ah, <laughs> yes, yes,
3: yes. Then the only other thing is, we had a listener who sent in a wonderful meme. I won't try to hold it up to the camera. It's a, it's a, um, a Revolutionary War era soldier. It says, "Just heard a British person call Oreos chocolate sandwich biscuits, and I finally understand why the Revolutionary War had to happen."
1: <laughs> hey. Hey, don't get me started on that. Nabisco National Biscuit Company. They make crackers. But originally they called them biscuits. It was modernization and pragmatism that made them change and call them Oreo cookies. Oh. I you almost, know, said, something Pots, the, I almost Pots, said something about the I almost said something about originals.
0: I almost said something
3: about the originals, but we're gonna move on. We can't. <laughs> it's been a long time since I've been called a pragmatist. I mean a really long time. <laughs> This is like a red letter day for me uh, I got called that
0: yesterday so the um, the the feedback is appreciated we want to move into a, a topic here today and just spend a little bit of time on it um, We'll see you know how far it goes and and how far we're able to to take it today but we thought it'd be good to get on and talk a little bit about the aspect of social media as it relates to um, well as it relates to ministry as it relates to life as it relates to the to just anyone but but I think we'll dive into some specifics as well so uh guys social media what do you think that's my segue it's terrible i never use it
3: <laughs> i think really all three that that brother Russ, you and brother wickens and i should just sit here and let brother brother brudnac just teach us yes um, and really just teach teach all of 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 humanity
2: yeah,
3: I mean, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, I could I definitely feel like I'm just a student a sitting at the feet of, a, of a, at the foot of a master here. I, as, as,
2: <laughs> no, I I do not have social media mastered, and if I have any overarching statement about social media, it is that it is a very powerful tool that I don't even know if we totally grasp, and it is changing our society, and it's very powerful, and that's why. I think the younger someone is, the less they should be involved in it because mm. as you don't give a power tool to a child, um, I don't think social media should be used for, you know. That's, that's so know. funny you would and say I, that
0: because old people make me so nervous on social media. I'm just going <laughs> to be honest with
2: you. <laughs> that's hilarious. No, <laughs> like, my youngest, I don't
3: see it that way at all.
0: My, oh,
2: youngness, my. Comment, my youngness comment isn't um, – isn't directed towards someone in their 20s or even 30s. I'm I'm thinking more like teens or kids. I I don't, yeah, I'm I'm not going there. I'm not. Let's not rehash our um our episode where I said young people need to shut up and sit down because no, some people we'll just move. Some on. people took offense to that and took it out of context, which I don't mean. But there, I, I, we should talk about the age thing a little bit because the older you get, the more that makes sense to you, especially. As a young man, there was so much I wanted to say and I didn't say and social media did somewhat exist i didn't I didn't live in the fundamental forum i didn't you know I got in some discussions, but I certainly didn't rebuke men old enough to be my father and tell them you know whatever i i I better not I'm getting into stuff I don't want to get into
1: well, I think there is a very real need for for pastors for fathers to understand social media and to understand Mm -hmm. technology as a whole, because the example I've been using of late is if you don't understand technology and you don't guide your children in it, and if you're not ready to teach um, your, you know, those under your influence about it, then it's negligent. Mm -hmm, You know, it it is Mm -hmm. such a huge part of the world we're in. And to not do the work to understand it and use it, I think is, is negligent, And if we're not able, then bring someone in. I understand that it, you yeah. know, social media is a whole new world, but it's like with other subjects. If we don't feel capable, bring in someone who is for a special service. Well,
0: interesting that this should be the way that it goes at the very beginning of our conversation. So let's talk about youth and social media first. Uh, I was this morning on Twitter and I came across an article just haphazardly about the correlation between teen depression and social media and it's with Mm -hmm. If Studies is the name of the website, ifstudies.org, just so you you understand the source. Um, Not that I know everything that's on that site either, but uh, it says the high levels of teen depression are not going away. Even as the pandemic fades, rates might decline a little bit uh, as things get back to normal. But as long as teens are scrolling through Instagram more and hanging out in person with their friends less, depression is likely to remain at historical high levels. Um, And it starts talking about what parents can do. And I'm just skipping down, but it says we can do a few things. And the first thing they suggest is not to allow children under 12 or 12 and under to have a social media account. Um, Well, And and it even says that though it's not enforced, the minimum age by law is 13.
3: Hmm. I strongly agree with that. I did a blog series last year on screen use and screen use is wider than social media, but much of our screen use is social media. And Mm -hmm. I talked extensively about the research that's been done on the impact of screen use with young brains and how it rewires them and makes them function badly and causes all sorts of, of wrong behavior. And then, you know, the wisdom of how to parent that and how to approach that. Um, social media is two things. It's social and it's media. And I think both of those, you have to understand sort of what that is trying to accomplish. I think you're, Brother Wickens used the word negligent a moment ago, if you don't deal with it, there's nothing inherently wrong with media, right? There's nothing inherently wrong with the the books behind me. They may have good content or bad content depends on the book. Mm -hmm. And the same thing is true with, with, with this media that we're on, right? It could have good content or bad content. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think to box it out entire, and I've seen a whole bunch of, of independent Baptists, I think they're, they're borderline reactionary. And then they try to box all of that out, almost like you would get rid of books or get rid of screens or get rid of the internet and it's to me it's short-sighted. It doesn't prepare their their young people for real life. And it also by it also leaves out a whole realm of ministry. There's so much ministry opportunity. That's the social side. You know, you put out the good content and you you develop relationships and lots of other things there. So I think social media is is good if it's used well and it's bad if it's used badly. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. And for me, I, I remind myself that what happens on social media isn't many times reality um i remember year this is probably over 23 years ago i was at a preacher's conference and they were talking about these new things called chat rooms and and all the things coming on and the the newness of all of that and it was like i'll never forget a preacher made a comment about um what you are online Is that the real you or are you the real you? In other words, are you exposing what you really are? And you got to remember, I think everything we see online, like for instance, I had a pastor once that uh, on Facebook, everything looked awesome. He had taken this new church. He had been there two or three years and we sat down and had lunch and I'm like, man, it's just awesome. What's going on? And he's like, yeah, my church is about to vote me out. (laughs) So I had this Mm. perception online and there is the danger of comparing the reality of our worst to the the right. the best of what people are putting forward. And mm-hmm. that's that that can be a, a very, very bad thing. You know, as someone said the other day that, you know, Steve Brudneck on Twitter or Steve Brudneck on the podcast is nicer than the Steve Brudneck on Twitter. And I'm thinking, and then I, I responded, you should meet Steve Brudneck in person.
3: And, it's even nicer.
2: And yeah, I know. And that's that's one of the problems is in social media we're disconnected from the presence mm-hmm. of somebody, but we're interacting with them because someone's presence matters. I mean, ask Chris Grock about that. Okay, <laughs>
0: Sorry, that's I... awesome. That's <laughs> so the one of the reasons I love these lives is because as we're talking about these things. Our, our viewers listeners are interacting and Andrew Beatles on Facebook says that he did a three parts lesson series in their church a few weeks ago about social media, the internet and the conclusion he came to is that the issue is not so much the kids as it is parents abdicating their responsibility yeah. and then wondering why their kids go off the deep end. Yep. So, you know, it's, it is, and he says it's equally sad and maddening. And I understand exactly what, what, what he's saying, because as parents, four pastors on this podcast, we've all dealt with that aspect of it where we're going, but there's cause and effect and you're not seeing, you're not seeing as parents where the cause and effect is. And so, you know, my kids are really too young to, to have, um, for me to be not, not to be concerned about it, but I haven't been able to practice yet. Maybe some of you guys whose kids are a little bit older, what are some things that you did to help regulate or to moderate a little bit of the social media in your children's lives?
2: Well, I kept my kids off of social media until they were over 18 and then I suggested they get an Instagram account because it was the least I guess toxic in the sense that it's more about pictures what you're doing there's not that back and forth discussion going on and then we had a joint account with them so you know and then from there as they get older they they've established some of their own you know, I don't want my 21 year old kid where I'm dictating every aspect of his life. And, you know, I, I, I talk with my my sons about their social media involvement and they've made some mistakes. But I think they're navigating it fairly decent, um, you know, compared to definitely I think where I would have been in life. But, um, yeah, I, I think keeping them away from it as long as possible and then helping them into it is my approach. I'm not against someone. You know, who lets their kids into it at a younger age? But that's the approach I took.
3: Yeah, I would differ with you on that. I've just read so much stuff. I just think it's there. There's there's the little benefit that a a teenager is going to gain from social media use is far outweighed by the by the negative side effects of it. Um, parenting is interesting in our generation. I think it's wider than just social media. I think parents who allow their children access to the internet period without some sort of filter or way to police that or patrol that are really, really, really unwise. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it boggles my mind how many, you know, 14, 15, 16 year olds, I mean, younger than that, but but in the Baptist world, how many of them have smartphones? It's just mind boggling to me. You know, there's ways to keep your kids safe. You can give them a flip phone that doesn't have internet connection. You can do those things where they can still call home or whatever if they need a ride or something like that. Um, we took the approach, uh, Mandy, and I have taken the approach with our children that um, our children, their internet usage is controlled. Their social media usage is non-existent until they're, until they finished high school. And when they finished high school or, you know, just about to finish high school, then it's up to them to to decide what direction to go. And I've taught them the principles that I've taught here in our church about screen use and things like that, to try to help them formulate those decisions.
2: How is that different than what I said? That sounds identical. I, I was going to,
3: I think, I think you said at the at the end of, of what you said that you didn't think all social media use was bad for teenagers. That was how I interpreted that. And I disagree with that. I think it is.
2: Oh no, I didn't. I was just saying, if someone holds a different position, yeah, I, I don't hold that position. I kept my kids off it until they were out of high school.
3: Yeah, understood.
0: Yeah, I was. I was yeah. actually thinking that Steve is that probably <laughs> you meant the same thing. But uh, yeah. go ahead, Martin.
1: Yeah, I mean my my eldest is only sixteen, and she's nowhere near being on any kinds of social media. Um, and I'm trying to develop something that I can give to them and say here. You know, read this, and if I can develop that further and into something that others can use, then great. But you know, one one step of it is going to be prevention. You know, at the outset, as a parent, I want to prevent them from having unsupervised time online. And my kids are home educated, so they're online a lot with you know the learning programs. But as far as unmonitored um, usage, it's it's prevented it. Whether it's using some kind of software or there is someone else in the room all the time. They're never allowed it in their own rooms. Um, you know, even, you know, so there's a lot of prevention. And then also preparation, because one day, more than likely, they will go into social media. It's a part of modern day life. And so I want to prepare them how to, how to use that, um, how to use discernment, how to anticipate things that go on online and avoid it. And I think with the right preparation, it's going to help them avoid a lot of issues, and and then in those first stages, I think the third step for me is going to be monitoring it. So even when they first start onto using social media, I'm going to keep a very close eye, and and of course that gets all you know to a certain point where like Steve said, they have to make their own decisions. But the, the two big foundations for me are prevention and then preparation. And within preparation, I've got a few ideas that I'm kind of working on. Mm-hmm. and
2: then, and then lest anyone listening thinks we're just stodgy old fundamentalists um from my understanding most Not of the all of people, us are yeah that's true most of the people that have developed these things don't let their kids have part in them th- yeah. at all either i mean it's they, they understand the power of it and and really you know there's studies about the dopamine am i yeah. I, I hope i'm using that word right i made up yep. a, a variant of that word once but the dopamine fix of the little red notification and the response. And, you know, we live in a world of novelty where something new, you know, excites us and, you know, little TikTok clips and all that stuff. And, and we have yet to see where this leads us as a society. And I think as believers, we ought to be very careful. And, you know, if we move slower than everybody else, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Not to mention those people developing those things keep their kids away from them.
1: Right, I was thinking so, that as you and Tom were talking, that this is the first generation of parents, really, that have had to right. not only navigate it for themselves growing up, like we, three of us at least, remember days before social media and <laughs> I, I remember even, days before social
0: media, but that's because I didn't know it existed. My parents had me in this little bubble, you know, it kind, <laughs> no, no, so kind of
1: went from being <laughs> know, like my space and just very basic yeah. things, but we've, we've been able to kind of grow into it to some degree, mm-hmm. but I, I still think we very much haven't figured it out. Um, but then trying to teach our children as it's all happening and what's coming next with meta and virtual reality becoming something mm-hmm you know, what social media to us was is going to be completely different. What it would be for our children in the coming years. It's very, it's very
0: um, unnerving to hear a guy like Elon Musk warn against AI. Like that, that's Mm -hmm. when a guy that that's, that's in it is like, Hey, we got to be careful. You know, that's to your point, Steve, one of our, one of our viewers listeners right now says, you know, one of the biggest problems he sees is parents leaving their kids access to the internet. They have no idea how to monitor it. Uh, and then saying, well, I, I don't, this is way too complicated for me to understand. And his point in this is that this is from Don Long. He says, it's your job to understand it, period. If you're going to allow your kids access to any connected device, you need to understand how they work, how to monitor usage, how to control access, et cetera. If not, you shouldn't have internet in the home. And I agree with that in a lot of ways. And you say, well, you know, I've got to prepare. And, and to Steve's point, yes, I do think we have to prepare our kids for life and for the life that they're going to, to live in, the world they're going to live in. At the same time, man, oh man, do we ever have to take responsibility as parents? So that's the side of things that are, that are for the kids. Now, what about for, let's talk about social media for ministry use. Let's talk about social media uh, and interactions and, and how, how it's kind of become a toxic space in a lot of ways. Uh, they talk about Christian Twitter uh, being a big dumpster fire, you know, and all that kind of thing. Um, how do we, how do we help with that? And, and what should we, what should we believe? I'm going to use the word pragmatically about this. I heard a pastor say this one time, and this is a pastor that's on social media, but I'm going to tell you right now, he doesn't ever interact with anybody. Uh, he said, I think if you don't have social media in this day and age that you're wrong. Now, what he meant was you're missing out on a lot of opportunities to minister Tom, you already touched on that. But what if a pastor says, "You know what? I just can't handle this. It's too much for me." Um, and i and and there's the other issue that i that I have is I think if you're on social media and unwilling to if you're always posting hot takes, but then unwilling to discuss, what does that make you? You know arrogant. <laughs> That's the perception. That's the way it comes across, whether or not yeah. you are.
3: I would never tell a guy who said, I don't think it's wise for me to be on social media. I would never tell him he's wrong Um, because I I wouldn't want to mess with his conscience. If he thinks it's bad for him or Mm -hmm. bad for his ministry, I'm not going to sit in judgment on that. I just see great value in it. Social media is another way to influence. I I do not like the term influencer uh, at all, but it's another way of influencing it's speaking into the public square um, not just in a ministry sense, but even in a town sense, right? I'm really I, I'm active in our our town's biggest Facebook group for that reason. Um, I go to the coffee shop for the same reason. You know, I want to be active where people are at. Uh, you're mm-hmm. a chaplain, brother Russ, for the same reason, and some at least partially some some something like that. I would never yep. tell a pastor he's wrong, but I do think if you if you choose even a not just a pastor, a Christian, mm-hmm. if you choose not to be active at all, your voice no matter how much wisdom you have, no matter how much maturity you have, no matter how much knowledge of the Word of God you have, no matter how the good of a Christian you are, nobody hears that in that enormous space where people are speaking and listening. Yeah, and I think there's just such value to being in there. Can I can I play devil's advocate? I know Martin, you've got
0: some comments, and and I want to want you to be able to get to that. I, I want to play devil's advocate for that, and I'm on social media. Um, I'm on I'm on Facebook, and I'm on uh, Twitter. Those are the two that I'm active on. I, I have an Instagram, but I have not posted or been on it or whatever for forever. Um, and there's... That's where you put all just, your gym
1: photos when you're working out.
0: Yeah. No, 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 yeah, no. It no, hasn't been on there forever. <laughs> that that's on, oh! my that's on my MySpace Shots account, fired. dude. Come on. Get. Go. By the way, I do remember when Twitter came out. I was in college and I got a Twitter. But you have to remember, you know, where I was back in the day is MySpace was preached against every conference, everything, you know, people who didn't even know what MySpace was, was was like, bless God, you know? So um, back to the question and back to the the point I want to make here is devil's advocate is is, if someone, and and Tom, I think you answered it, but for the clarity of those who are watching and, and going to be listening to this in the future, here's someone who struggles to control their themselves on social media, whether it's, they're always scrolling Mm -hmm. or whether they can't help, but, you know, take strife, take hold of a dog by the ears, strife that doesn't belong to them or whatever. um, they, they might have to say, I'm not going to be on it. And so what a lot of people have done, especially kind of more well-known ministry figures, pastors, et cetera, is they've scheduled posts that are encouraging posts or their positional posts or their whatever, but then they don't interact with them. And I think the reason that they don't is because it would totally dominate their time and potentially cause them to be ineffective in their ministry. The devil's advocate aspect of that is that what if God only wants me to just minister to the people who sit in the pews on Sunday and not, not be online trying to influence, as you say, the world, what if he's called me to
3: minister there, you know, and, I don't know. See, that's, that's like a that's like a teacher who doesn't interact, doesn't want to interact with the people. C.S. Lewis was famous that way. He hated teaching. He wanted to be a writer. <laughs> he would walk. He would start talking as he walked into the back door of his classroom. He would start mm-hmm. teaching in his lecture, walk up to the podium, deliver it and continue teaching as he walked out. So he never had to interact with students. <laughs> I just think that defeats the whole point. I, yeah, I but, really if I'm not on,
0: but if I'm not on it and I'm only if I'm like, what if I what if I am teaching real people? What if I have a congregation that I'm like Okay, that's I don't fine, care about then do that. Whatever. Then stay
3: off then stay off of Fis- Facebook and Twitter. It's a conversation. It's totally- social media is social, it is, it okay. is interaction, it is engagement. That's I'm what I was at now, because I, I, I really want to hear what nope. the Wickens has to say. He's put a lot of thought into this.
1: I was I really think it does depend on the individual. Uh, you know, I, I think interaction. I think it, when it comes to social media, I don't know if there are absolutes in some of the, the principles we apply. There are certainly rights and wrongs, but I believe to a degree you engage in the way that's most profitable for you and others. And so mm-hmm. for some, they can engage in a way which is, it, it is helpful, it's principled, um, but for others, if they can't do that, then I wouldn't necessarily cut themselves off from social media completely, but develop principles that you can, you can employ. And so I think there is a best way of doing it. And then there is a good That's way. Right. That's and right. what is best I think is principled posting. It's conscientious engagement. Um, but if that doesn't work for you, then you, you've got to find what does work.
0: I'm going to do a Twitter poll later and see if you guys are right. Just saying. Yeah. Cause the majority
1: is I think, always right. I think something that
2: bears, bears, this should enter into discussion is the reminder that not all social media is equal. They, different platforms accomplish different things. Right. Facebook's different than Twitter. That's different than, you know, Marco Polo's a form of, you know, social media. Um, I'll
0: have to check into that.
2: Like, like even, even now video games are social media, you know, I, yep. I finally let my kids get into playing video games, and then they get connected with their friends, and that's like their social interaction now. They don't call their friends on the phone anymore. They play a game together and talk while they're doing that, um, and I'm, I'm trying to navigate some of that, too. So, you know, I got on Twitter to interact on theological discussions and respond to um, what I had viewed a while back, that you know, there's this this um, movement that something's wrong with independent fundamental Baptists, and I wanted to definitely push against that because I don't think that's the case. So when I was young, that was going on, and um, you know, I, I kept my mouth shut because I, mm-hmm. I was a young guy. And now that yep. I've got a little bit of experience, I thought I'm not going to hey, just bro. let let that go unchallenged. And hey, on, on a lighter side of things, a, a good friend of mine, Travis Burke. I heard him preach a message about a year ago and he said, you know, it's 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 impossible to pass through the internet. So since then I've I've set out to prove him wrong.
1: (laughs) I think something you mentioned there you you mentioned about the video game aspects of it. And I think that's why focusing on one medium or the other is is insufficient. And something I want to do for myself and also to teach my children is to be rock solid in their identity who they are yeah, Amen. because Amen. you know you said something earlier steve about online not being the real world but more and more for a lot of people online is just as real if not more real than mm-hmm. offline um and so i think that's where having a rock solid identity that is secure okay. in christ um that is going to guide you so whether it's twitter or it's you know the the games that you know the kids play whatever the case may be they're prepared for it because they're not being changed by the medium. They are who they are. And that again is why being a little bit older is, is beneficial.
0: Yeah. And I will say too, again, just kind of taking a time out from our conversation to acknowledge that a lot of you have made some excellent comments on this. Uh, Robert's yeah. on here saying some good stuff about some, and he's given some sources of things that have helped him. Uh, ben Potter is just uh, mesmerized with your beard. Uh, Martin. Um, Andrew's Beatles is still commenting and appreciate that. Mark is commenting and he's actually throwing some really good stuff down and I wish we could give more time to all of his comments, but he's talking about as a parent, working to build relationships with your kids where they are open with you. Uh, he's also Mm -hmm. talking about watching the Twitter wars and learning when to stay quiet. Uh, and he says that's most of the time for him. And, uh, Andrew Beatles agrees with us about the people who post the hot takes, but won't won't have the conversation. You know, just, it just seems like they're looking for validation or stirring up stripes. So it kind of leads me to the next portion of where I, I think we could have some conversation. And that is that, you know, what should guide our, our interactions? I think, I think there's, if there's anything true on social media, it's this, that you may mean one thing, but man, is it ever going to be taken another way? And once that goes out there, you know, you <laughs> know, it's it's, sometimes it's really hard to change people's mind. I'm a, I appreciate people who differ with me, but yet when I say, when they come back and say, Hey, you shouldn't have said this or you, you know, this is what you said. I go, Oh no, no, no. I meant this. It was just hard to communicate in so many characters. And they say, okay, I understand. And I appreciate the clarity. However, we have to kind of understand too, that the way that we communicate and how we're perceived and how we're taken, if we don't communicate clearly, that's kind of on us. So, to me, the best guide in scripture for social media is the book of Proverbs. I mean, if it's mm-hmm. a communication and conversation, then it ought to be treated as if it were real words, right? I mean, am I off base on that? Because that's how I feel personally I should use as I I I often use the book of Proverbs as as my help when I'm trying to filter my words through social media.
1: I think one verse alone would avoid so much. Damage, and it, I'm talking to myself as much as anyone else. But Proverbs eighteen thirteen, he that answers a matter before he heareth it, it is a folly mm. and shame unto him. Mm. And a lot of the miscommunication is you read something, you make an assumption, you respond, and before you know it, other people are diving in, and yep. it's simply yeah. because you didn't take the time to stop and read and consider, give the benefit of the doubt, and or it's because.
0: Or, or it's because there's no way you could have possibly known the context even. I mean, mm-hmm. sometimes you see one post, and to be honest with you, I've done exactly what you're saying. To my, to my shame, I have jumped in and, th- and went, man, you know, gone after Like, hey, you can't, you know, you got to understand or whatever, only to come back around and realize, oh, I did not have all the information. And I think there's more of a danger of that on social media than there is in real life by far.
1: Yeah, because yeah. you don't have as
3: much context
1: right. What Steve said about not being able to pass to the internet. I mean, that's that's something we are, I think, really trained by social media to respond. That's what social media Mm -hmm. relies on. You know, all social media is free because you're the product, you you know, you are what's being sold. And so they need you to keep engaging. They have algorithms that make sure what you respond to the most is what they put back up again. And so we need to know that we're being played. Um, And I think that's where we need to be principled. Um, And again, one of the the, uh, quotes of Winston Churchill, and I think Tom has used this a number of times, um, you'll never reach your destination if you stop and throw stones at every dog that barks. Mm -hmm. And and that's something to keep in mind because you see something, you don't have to respond to it. And that avoids a lot of misunderstanding as well. Like Mm -hmm. you said, you know, you may not like what you see, but sometimes you can just scroll on. Keep yeah. scrolling. Yep.
3: Like like Brother Budnick, you always say what your wife said, you know, just let them be wrong. It's okay. Yeah. There's great wisdom in that. I think
1: mm-hmm.
3: a wise use of social media includes the idea of I have a purpose in what I'm gonna do. And I'm that purpose, I'm not just gonna react to whatever I see. I want to speak into people's lives something that's edifying. You know, first Corinthians, let all things be done. That context is communication in a church service but let all things be done into edifying I, I want what I speak to build up and so I purposely set out a plan and I, and I sit down and I plan this out you know I, what am I go, what content am I going to put out on social media uh, that will edify people that doesn't mean I'm not going to speak against something because I think sometimes to edify you have to speak against things but by and large I want to build God's people I want to I want to minister to them and build them. And if that is your purpose, it sort of it sort of constrains you from simply mindlessly scrolling and jumping into whatever fights you see to a search or two cents. You're acting Mm -hmm. instead of reacting to, quote, a pastor of yesteryear. I think there's also something to be said about the fact that as pastors, we cannot
0: rely on social media for our ministry because we could Mm -hmm. because we could be censored. We could be canceled tomorrow. Amen.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think Tom. to what Tom was saying there, that's, I think having a plan is, is, is essential. And then a few things that um, I think are beneficial is before you go online, stop and ask the question, you know, why am I going online? What's my goal? Is it to glorify Christ? Um, is it to honor him, edify others? You know, some people go online, you know, two other categories I would put it into would be the troll. And I was thinking this morning about, um, you know, the Jack and the Beanstalk troll, Fifi farm um Do you guys know that little? Yeah, Tom yeah. does. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. I, wasn't, I wasn't sure if that was like a British thing or an American. Anyway, <laughs> I love how we all uh, just look at Martin like, okay, storytelling. Yeah, like, hey, look, like, like when so he brought up your, didn't you guys, you guys learn your Latin? That was that was a great line. Yeah. Didn't you guys learn your Latin, school, Latin? We're like, like, what country okay. are you in? <laughs> when I was growing up with my grandparents, we would go for long walks. We would, you know, and if we saw a bridge ahead, my, me, and my brothers would run ahead, get under the bridge, and we'd say, "Fee fi fo fum," you know, and we would just do that line. We would reenact the role of the troll. And the troll is disruptive. They won't let you pass without answering a riddle. They've got their own agenda. Um, they're ugly little creatures. And the modern internet troll is is that they're disruptive, and some people go online with that agenda. And then you have the lurker. And I think the lurker isn't a danger to others so much because they're just there. There's one study or several studies that say that 90% of people online are lurkers. Um, the danger for them is they just constantly scroll. They're just always right. online. And so mm-hmm. if you have a plan, you set an alarm and say, I'm giving this thing 10 minutes and then I'm switching off. Uh, I think what Tom said about having a plan there's, there's so much else that could be said, but that that is going to again save so much heartache, and I think be super beneficial.
2: That's you know, something
0: wisdom. <laughs> so,
2: yeah, that is very good. Um, you know, something we do forget that when we do get in some, I think, healthy discussions, and Twitter, Twitter has some healthy discussions. Sometimes it's and also it's weird that our society has picked Twitter as a place of public you know, um, discussions and to follow a train of thought is insane in some respects, but I think to a large degree, we do have quite a few people that do just kind of lurk and read. And I know that if I'm discussing something, I disagree with somebody odd that I think is important. I probably won't change that person, but there are people that are reading and, you know, they're learning. I'm amazed how often I'll have someone come up to me in a meeting and say, you know, I read that or that helped me. And so when you sit back and you see a discussion, you think he ain't changing anyone in the discussion. That is probably true. But also there are those that are reading and watching and they can learn by it. And I think there is benefit to that. I am a big proponent of public discourse Amen. amongst preachers because if truth is powerful, it should stand up to scrutiny and we shouldn't run and hide. Amen. Um about what we believe, and I I like what I believe being tested, um, because I want to know that it holds up.
1: Did yeah, we spent some time talking about the benefits of it. You know, Steve's touched on a couple there. We know it's not all bad. Um, yeah, right. Or did you have another direction for it, Stephen? I don't want to. No, no, that's this is good. Absolutely,
3: I think that's a great point, Brother Brodnick, about not just that that truth needs promulgated, but the benefit of us being pushed back against. So I'm a pastor. Yeah and my church loves me. I I feel pretty confident in that. I have lots of people respect me. If they're going to disagree with me, it's almost hesitantly or apologetically. And, and there's nothing wrong with that, but, but there needs to be some atmosphere, some arena, some area where somebody tells me I'm wrong, even if I'm right, because it forces Mm -hmm. me to reexamine where I'm at and what I'm doing. I need people who will just, just look at me and say, well, you're wrong for this reason, this reason, this reason, not only does it give me the opportunity to defend what I believe is right, but it makes me think through that as I defend it, which makes me stronger. And of course I have been confronted about things and come to realize yeah. I've been wrong about something. And, and I think when we don't, we we run the risk of getting into the that echo chamber we've talked about before. And we all know pastors like that and churches like that ministries like that, where, Everyone in their life tells them they're right and that that the mm. end of that is just bad. It's pride leads to destruction.
0: Well, that's a good point. And one thing that I think it was I would say it's helped me with is learning how to articulate clearly and succinctly. And that even helps me in my preaching because yeah. And and not that not that I'm um not that I'm promoting that we should preach short or preach sound bites by any means. But I know that if I can package something in a phrase that is delivered powerfully, succinctly, and very clearly, that there's a chance of impacting someone's life with those words. And so, twitter you know with its character limitation that's a good that's just a just kind of like a little thing i thought of as you were talking about it, it it's it's helped me in that area to know it's not helping me very much right now because i'm rambling but um that is a, a good thing so we've got a few people on here asking that if they put a number of minute limits on their social media does this podcast count as a waste of time you'll have to answer that for yourself my
1: friend thank you no, brother Wilmore. It's not a waste <laughs> of time. hey that was a i told comment. him that our podcast is like calories at thanksgiving it doesn't count so <laughs> you're good that's yep. very good. Do you guys have
0: any, anything else to add to this? We're coming, coming down to the close here. Uh, just maybe any final words or final thoughts and encouragements for people?
3: I, I'd throw one other thought. Um, I do think that Christians who only interact on the social media with other Christians are leaving things unsaid that ought to be said in the public arena. Mm-hmm. Um, the town square meeting of 200 years ago in New England is you know, your community's Facebook group now and mm-hmm. discussions go on in there, and you need to be gracious, you need to be kind, you need to be respectful. But one of the reasons that the left-wing agenda has has seems to have such overwhelming preponderance of force and movement to it is because lots and lots of good people who disagree with it are afraid to speak up. Mm-hmm. Um, speak up, yeah. take a stand for truth, do it compassionately, do it graciously, do it, edu- you know, with, with with some thought behind it but take a stand for what's right in the arena where people are having conversations. I like it.
1: Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Steve, anything for you?
2: I don't, nothing comes to my mind. In fact, earlier it was one of those things I had a thought in my mind and boom, you know, that's the the joy of um, old age. But I, I would, I would guess I would leave with this is that it is very important to keep in mind. And it's easy to get out of mind is that, Behind every little name on there is is a real person, even a non-accounts have their reasons for being them, but there are real people there and our words do have ramifications. And we should just always be careful that we don't become um, self-righteous jerks. We don't become trolls that are going to really hurt someone, um, especially, I mean, that's one of the dangers we talked about, young people um, they can really be picked apart someone, you know, on social media. So it's, it's that reminder. And I got to remind myself of that. And, you know, I I think trolling to hurt someone is an awful thing. And by God's grace, I've never done that nor will do it. And now poking at somebody that's a little different. I mean, especially someone, you know, you know, just kind of trolling someone, you know, but I I think it, it is very important that there is, there are people, real people, um and and to try to keep that in mind whenever you're interacting online in any
1: form i wanted to um just say something about how to deal with some of the personal hurts that take place on online how do you process that because that's when things start to escalate um and how you process personal attacks and margaret thatcher i've got to throw in a margaret thatcher quote she said, I always cheer up immensely if an attack is particularly wounded because I think, well, if they attack one personally, it means they have not one single political argument left. And so sometimes when the, the discussion gets particularly heated and they start bringing in other subjects and start attacking, at that point, you should not escalate and get frustrated and hurt and mad at that point. You kind of know that you've won. And I shared that, I think there's many strategies that we need to employ to make sure we don't allow the hurt to take control of us that we Mm -hmm. remain principled we remain gracious we remain christ-like as we've said several times as, as tom and steve have mentioned there's a real person on the other side of that screen and the the anonymity of even any internet usage sometimes takes that a step away from being a reality so um just keep being gracious and so many scriptures i think the whole of proverbs we could spend weeks and weeks talking about the application of it because mm-hmm. it still applies even though it's 3,000 years old. Well, and that's that's
0: my thought is that, you know, the Bible says that we need wisdom and discretion. Um, there's a lot of things we didn't talk about in this. You know, there's something to be said about not airing out all dirty laundry on social media, there's mm-hmm. something to be said about posting against someone on social media when you actually could have gone to them in person. I mean, I'm talking mm-hmm. pastors and church members. I don't know if you guys have had this happen where someone all of a sudden you find out there was an issue with someone in your church from Facebook when they could mm-hmm. have come to you and talked to you uh, or vice versa. you know, pastor, member, member, pastor, whatever um, we, we need to make sure that we use discretion. And I think of that verse in Proverbs that says it is an honor for a man to cease from strife. And so finding a way toward peace would be the ultimate goal in what we do, even in social media. And I've gotten into it with guys in social media and had, I would say, good discussions, hearty discussions, we'll put it that way. And at the end of the day said, hey, man, I respect you for being sincere and holding your position and uh, appreciate you in the Lord. So uh, follow after things which make for peace. And I think that'll help us all as we go forward. Amen. 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 All right, guys. Well, it's been a good discussion thanks for uh, joining us to all of our viewers and for everybody who commented we're going to be going through these comments for a while i can tell but uh, thank you guys so much for joining us today on the dear church podcast